webinar series organized by the Center for Asia Leadership. My name is Faustino John Lim, and today's webinar is on delivering work while at home, lessons from Silicon Valley, with our speaker, Daria Estrate. If you are joining us for the first time, our center is an organization based out of Boston, United States, and Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, operating in several cities across Asia. We were founded at Harvard University among fellows and alumni, and we are focused on helping leaders in Asia initiate change and manage progress in their organizations and communities. We are currently in the midst of a 20-week webinar series, and the purpose is to encourage and educate during these uncertain times. Although we focus our work in Asia, I want to acknowledge our viewers from other regions, as all of us uh, seem to be going through tough times or even chaos in their societies. So whether you are in Manila, Hong Kong, or the United States, or anywhere else in Asia or the world, I want to take this moment to remind our viewers that leadership is about promoting the good and the better in our organizations and communities. For us, our center's end goal is to help you promote societies which are thriving, democratic, and just. We do hope that we can be of some value to, your, to you during this time uh, as you promote that. So with that, I would like to recognize our speaker. Uh, joining us from San Francisco, Daria Estrate is strategist at Genentech, a biotechnology company under Roche based out of Silicon Valley. Daria holds an MBA from Harvard Business School, and she is also co-author and contributor of our upcoming book, Work of the Future, Rethinking Asia 7. So Daria, welcome to the program. Thank you, John. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited to be here with you uh, today, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Uh, Daria, you have a great view. Uh, can you share us a bit about that? I, I'm just kidding. I know it's a Zoom view, but uh, is that, what building is that in the back? Yeah, it is actually the, the San Francisco skyline. And uh, this, that's one of our unique buildings here is the Trans-American building. I see. Um, yeah, very close to my house, actually. OK, and uh, you're keeping safe. Uh, I know there's there's uh, protests, but uh, at the same time, there's also some looting and um and, and things like that everything is going okay in your neighborhood yeah thanks for asking it's been uh, it's been pretty difficult over the past few days uh but we managed to stay safe and uh, everything is fine thanks for asking okay uh well glad to hear that daria that brings me to my first question is to daria is help us understand what the working from home phenomenon means in today's new normal and how can organizations adapt and prepare for this future, especially as they are really in an uncertain period right now? Daria, the floor is yours. Thanks, John. Yeah, I think for, for many of us, irrespective of where we are in the world right now, irrespective of the industry or the function that we work in, um, the work from home has been a forced experiment that was brought upon us by the pandemic. And um, although maybe we were not prepared to do that at 100%, all of a sudden, we actually had to go forward. So each one of us shares some experience uh, with maybe a hybrid work from home model or 100% work from home. Um, but if we move to the next slide, what I wanted to, to show you here, this is kind of a historical evolution of different work environments over time. And as you can see here, work from home in 2020, it seems like it's a new thing. And it was also made like increasing importance because of the pandemic, but it's actually not that new. Um, in the late 1970s and 1990s, uh, there was also work from home, um, and that came after the industrial transformations of the 19th and 20th centuries, when um, there was a concentration of labor in factories, and, um, and really because of that, there was a lot of work around the factory, but then 
then there was a move towards work from home um, as the economy diversified more into the services sector. And um, there were also some companies that were pioneers in this field. Um, and among them, the tech companies, uh, just two names that I have here, IBM and Yahoo, they actually experimented with work from home early on. And, um, but then in the, in the 1990s and 2010s, uh, there, there was a comeback to office work. And the reason that was given at that point was that uh, work from home works when you have like a clear direction that you want to follow and just execute. But it doesn't work that well when you're actually trying to innovate or to brainstorm or to be more creative. But you know, here we are with the pandemic. 100% work from home for many of us, uh, forced experiment for sure. And now the question is, where are we headed? Um, and here we have like different versions of what the future may hold for each one of us. And uh, you know, like for some of us, it may involve going back to the office the way we used to be before. Um, the other option may be a hybrid model where uh, maybe we work from home for a few days a week and then we work from the office a few um, other days. And then at the other extreme, I would say, and one thing that some companies have started doing, and I'm gonna talk more about that, is work from anywhere. Uh, that's like the most uh, flexible thing of all. So I know many of you in the audience, you are decision makers within your companies and you may be wondering right now, like what's the right thing for my organization and for my team uh, and what does the future hold? And I think this depends a lot, as I said, on the industry like what kind of flexibility does your industry have in going forward with some of these remote work scenarios and then it's also function specific so on the next slide here um i just as you start thinking through these questions i think one of the important things is to start identifying functions within your company that are best suited for work from home or any kind of flexible uh, work setting and here so at one extreme you have in-person work and the other one is like remote work and I think um, you're gonna have to go through this exercise for your specific company and your specific team but just to guide you through this process so in person it's really like those type of activities where a personal connection and interpersonal like human contact is required and some examples that you have here is like sales or school teaching on a day-to-day -day basis you need to be in front of people and have that exchange and another one that i'm sure many of you are aware of is really like if you're directly involved in production processes in manufacturing and then the other extreme is the remote work. And some of that is really the professional consulting services, whether it's accounting or investing or some of the software like tech, um, <clears throat> tech development there. And that's, uh, that's pretty straightforward. So again, I would caveat this by saying that uh, depending on your industry and depending on your function, you may find yourself at one extreme, the other or somewhere in the middle. So it's important to go through this uh, for this exercise. And then the next step as we move to the next slide is really so this work from home experiment was really unexpected, right? Like from one day, yesterday we were in the office and then today we had to work from home at 100%. But usually this that it doesn't happen this way. You usually have longer to prepare for to prepare your organization for a more flexible work environment. And um, since the work from home for many of us, the work from home and the flexible work setup is kind of here to stay. So then it's important to start thinking in these terms of how do I get my organization ready and how do I get my people ready to make sure that they can still deliver high quality work in a more like remote work scenario. And here we kind of, I try to come up with, with a simple framework about how to think about this. And of course, the main pillar here is people 
people are super important. And then the other two, governance and technology, you can think of those as like the supporting infrastructure that enables people to do their work from anywhere. And um, what I mean through governance is more around like operating principles and policies in place that enable the flexible work environment. And then the technology is more straightforward. It's like IT stuff, uh, like hardware, internet connections, stuff like that. So in the following slides, I'll just give you a sense of different things that we can do that we can start thinking through and start implementing in our organizations as we think through these pillars. So the first one, how do we help our people feel connected and continue to work productively? So feeling connecting is super important, especially in a virtual environment. And here, um, so the list, this is not a definitely not a comprehensive list, and you can add your own things. But one way to think about it here is really like, what are like day one, what are the things that I need to have in place in order to make sure that those people can do their work um, productively? And so what, what are like the, the low hanging fruits that I can do immediately, but that are also super important? One is the support for office equipment, right? Like we want to make sure that we can, we have uh, the furniture required, we have the office set up at home. The other one is, offering mental health support <clears throat> that becomes really important especially when the work from home extends over a longer period of time as i'm sure many of you have experienced over the past few months and then finally training sessions on how to communicate virtually and other things those are i would say nice to have definitely important over the long term but not required on day one of work from home if we move to the next slide on governance so these i was talking about these as these are the policies in place but in order to come up with these policies we first need to like do a little bit of homework to see um really like what type of organization do we have and then see how can we leverage the rules the norms to help operate in this flexible work environment so first really depending on where you are in your organization like what type of decision making power you have it's important to decide are we gonna work a hundred percent from home or is that like a little bit too much for us and we're gonna go with a more like hybrid model um then once we made that decision another layer of decisions is are we gonna implement this at the company level like broadly or are we just going to give some general guidance and then every single team is going to make their own decisions like they're going to have a little bit of flexibility to make their own decisions and uh finally empowering teams empowering people to come up with those solutions is super important as well and then the third pillar that i was talking about this is probably the most straightforward in terms of like its tangible nature uh, is really what technology is needed in order to enable virtual work. And this covers like anything from hardware, like having a laptop, having an internet connection, um, having IT support functions uh, to make sure that they can problem solve and fix stuff um, like that. And then finally, again, training sessions on how to use these communication platforms and, um, and how to make the most the most of them. So I would say th these. This is kind of the high-level framework that um, that we're going to apply later in the in this presentation as well. John, uh, Daria, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's a very super clear framework, uh, and I'm glad you were able to also help kind of frame it with uh, with questions as well. Um, so, can you share examples of organizations that have implemented uh, this framework? Sure. Yeah. So uh, if we move to the next slide, so I have three examples here and I try to pick one example from each, like from different industries, because I know you guys are from all over the globe and from many, many different industries. So the first example here is my alma mater is Harvard Business School. And um, so 
I just want to paint the picture that the scale of operations at HBS is huge. Uh, we have 900 students every year, multiplied by two, because we have two years. And then we have um, a lot of like faculty members, supporting staff, and all of that. So it's really huge. And then one, one thing that makes HBS, one of the very innovative things at HBS is the case method. And the case method is really, it's the, is, it happens in the classroom set up and face-to-face -face interaction is super important because the professor kind of moderates the discussion and then the students participate in this discussion and they build off of each other's comments and they go back and forth and the thinking evolves so it's really it's like a lot of interaction mm -hmm. so then the when COVID-19 hit the question was how are we going to be able to continue to teach our case method in an online environment? Something that they had never done before. And really, like if we think through the framework that I just mentioned, that's exactly the steps that they followed. First, they did like they started with the technology stuff. They did an assessment of all the infrastructure required, the hardware required. When they figured that out, they started thinking about the people and specifically in this case the faculty members the teachers and they trained in two short weeks they trained 125 faculty members on how to teach the case method using virtual communication platforms and then they rolled it out and um, they did this for two or three months before classes finished and it was a huge uh, was a huge success and um, going forward um, we don't know exactly what the future may hold but they're definitely thinking about having a more flexible uh, teaching setup where they engage with current students as well as alumni and other audiences in a more like virtual way um, so that as they think through that they may come up with more permanent policies in place so that governance that we were discussing about to make this possible long term so this is my education example. The next example here is really from the Silicon Valley. Um, it's Twitter. And um, Twitter is a tech company by definition, like Google, like Facebook. So for them, it was really like, it's really, it's more straightforward that they can do this working from home. And they took it one step um, further and they've already announced that they're gonna allow all their employees to work from anywhere indefinitely. So that's a huge, um, th that's really like a big, big decision that they've already announced and it's really unheard of. And then some of these other tech companies followed in the sense that they're extending work from home at least until the end of 2020. So while they did that, they made sure that they had the right technology in place, which they kind of already had. And um, they made sure that also from a policy perspective, if, if their employees want, if they're like employees that actually want to work from the office, that's still a possibility. But there's a lot of flexibility at the employee and at the team level to decide what's best uh, for them. So I thought that was that was interesting too. So this is my technology example. And then the third example, I really wanted to um, choose something. I know that many of you uh, live and work in Asia. So I wanted to choose something closer to home for many of you. And also I wanted to, um, to choose a, an example that's, that has manufacturing facilities as well, because that's where sometimes the question is like, how, how are we gonna do this? And I thought this example is really interesting because so they're based out of Singapore and they have office-based staff and then they have um, staff that's directly involved in uh, production processes. And what happened, this is a clear example of a hybrid model where the office-based staff has been working from home since March. So now it's almost uh, three months. And then uh, there is a small team involved in lab work that they are returning to the center but they are doing this in a gradual way in waves um so that's another way to make sure that we they ensure a, sm a smooth transition so i thought this example was also super interesting john so yes uh, daria so i um thank you for the, these examples and i mean i think it's also clear like the type of work uh, I know you've made a spectrum before uh, of which it, uh, and function wise uh, where it can fit better and then the decisions that um, 
that managers have to make. Now, I just want to make a reminder to our uh, to our viewers: um, if you have questions, please feel free to uh, to put them in the Q and A box. So, I did notice a couple questions in the chat box, if I'm not mistaken. So, do you? So, and then please as well uh, feel free to upvote even at this time. Okay. All right. So, uh, question three is: what are some concrete steps that or we can make today? Uh, towards a more flexible work environment, at least to prepare our readiness for it. Uh, Daria. Sure, thank you, John. So if we move to the next slide here, um, this, so there's a lot to be said about each of the three uh, pillars, the people, the governance and technology, but since it all comes down to people, um, I decided for the purposes of this presentation to, to go one level deeper into this topic. So really, as you think through what this means for your organization and for your team and for your people, um, you need like there's so many things to do, right? So it's important to see like, where do we begin? What are the most important things that we need to start thinking of? And one is really building a community of trust at the team level. The other one is making sure that we communicate virtually in an effective way. And then the third one is, as we were saying, since this could be um, like, it, it could be a permanent state of working from home, we need to make sure that our employees are mentally fit and um, there's support for them for their well being. And then finally, um, is really how do we make sure that we build a collaborative environment and that enables people to continue to deliver high quality work. So in the following slides, I'll just very quickly just give you some examples of how you may start thinking about achieving some of these things. So one is this community of trust. Um, and here are some examples like it, and it depends like what's going to work for your team may not work for another team. But um, one one example is like organizing happy hours but in this case it's not your usual happy hour it's going to be a virtual chat um or like if you have the chance organizing annual offsites where people from across the nation or maybe across the world they come together for a few days to build those face-to-face -face relationships another one is like even within a team like carving out a few minutes at the beginning of, of, of a regular check-in meeting to give personal updates because that brings people closer and that creates this feeling that I know you a little bit more than just your deliverables at work and what you do each day. Moving to the next slide. Um, the question here is how do we enhance communication and how do we make sure we have these feedback loops that are maybe harder to create in a virtual environment. Um, and here is my first bullet point here is um, it's really like from left to right, what's the best communication channel? It's in person. And what's the worst one is the written communication. So that would be the email, right? But luckily nowadays we have access to all these virtual communication platforms uh, with a video component as well. So I'm sure many of you are already using old, like we're on Zoom right now, right? So it's like, it's amazing that we have almost 200 people here um, that are on zoom at the same time and then finally the the feedback the feedback needs to be like a feedback loop it's like among peers from the from a, an employee to their manager and from the manager to the employee so it's really important to spend the time to make sure that the feedback happens in a continuous and constructive way moving to the next question so the third one, we talked a bit about how do we maintain the well-being of our employees? And it's definitely like being in a virtual environment over a long period of time, it's a bit like it's self-isolation and it's definitely not natural. Humans are social beings in nature, right? But luckily there are specialists who have studied this 
virtual communication problem more. And um, there's like virtual coaches that offer training sessions out there. So if you have the opportunity to be able to offer a virtual uh, communication training session to your employees, that's amazing. Or like training sessions on how to be effective and how to present in a virtual environment or how to lead a virtual team um, how to communicate effectively online. So all of these things, people didn't have to do them before. And now it's, it's actually, it's new for everyone. And then as we go more into the, like one level deeper into the well-being of what we can do, um, it can be anything like from the company or the team offering meditation or yoga classes, um, or like tips on how to have a daily routine. So all of these things are, are really, really super important. I would say they were important before too, but in a virtual environment, they become even more important. And then um, my final question here is how do we continue to be collaborative? How do we deliver high quality work? And I think in a virtual environment, we all need to be realistic about um, like the new setup, like what's the new reality? The new reality is different from the reality that we had before. And that means that we, we may need to implement new types of reporting, new types of tracking, um, we may come up with more like different milestones than what we used to have before. And like as, a, as we advance through this process, we may need more regular, more frequent check-ins, at least in the beginning until everyone gets on board with the new way of, of working, whatever that is. And so these were the four questions here. Uh, I realized that these are, these come with a lot of like potential actions and, and it, it may feel being in a management position may feel like I have a thousand things to do to prepare my organization for this kind of future. So on the next slide, what I'm providing here is a framework that I think many of you use for various purposes is super simple, but I think uh, its beauty comes from its simplicity and how straightforward it is with a start, stop, and continue. So for, for sure, you um, just as you think through this process, you may have um, ideas and activities that you want to start doing. And then things that we used to do before as, a, as an organization that used to work 100% from the office, and that we realize that mm, maybe, maybe this doesn't work in the new environment. So we want to stop doing those. Um, and then finally, many things, many good things and things that can be applied across the spectrum, we can continue to, to do them. So it's important to, to keep those. And I'm not going to go into the details of each category because this is just um, illustrative for you to give a sense of how to think through the framework. But it's really, this is another uh, homework and exercise, uh, if you will, that it's important to, to go through with your organization in mind, with your industry and the functions that you're responsible for, and, and kind of try to structure and prioritize um, by implementing some of this start, stop, continue. And on the next slide, one thing that I want to um, to end with here, my, my presentation is really why are we talking about this and why, why this is important? Because I know that in many parts of the world, we, it feels like we're kind of going back to work and it's almost the end of this uh, pandemic. But um, so as, as we started the presentation, we're talking about work from home is like new, but it's, it's not so new and it happened in the past and companies have tried to do this. And, um, the um, it really the hypothesis here is that the pandemic um, has created some changes and an impact that's here to stay, um, even after the pandemic is over, right? Like even after post COVID-19. And what this chart uh, here is showing is that the work from home trend, it was kind of happening before, but um, like with less acceleration and maybe it would have ended up in a, in a different place. Um, but now the thinking is that the pandemic kind of accelerated this trend and is definitely here to stay in a different way, right? Like for each of you, it's going to mean something else, but it's definitely something that we need to, to think about. So 
this was my last slide and uh, yeah, looking forward to the discussion. Thank you, Daria. Um, so uh, we are actually just gonna skip our, the, this next poll just so that we can go right into the questions. And uh, so we have our first question. Um, and so can I ask uh, people if, um, you know, so we're, we, we actually send message to you if, if you have a question uh, up here. Um, and uh, we will unmute you. Uh, if your mic, if you don't have a working mic, uh, then no, no worries, I will relay uh, your message. Uh, so our first message comes, our, our first question comes from Marina Barudin. Uh, Marina, you're on, you're on, you're live now. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Sorry. Um, I, I just like to know. Sorry, sorry. I'd like to know uh, how do you monitor the uh, staff productivity, um, you know, whilst working from home? Yep. Thanks, Marina. Thank you. And Marina is actually, uh, part of our network uh, she she works uh, nearby us uh, in Malaysia uh, actually um, so go ahead uh, Daria sorry yeah thank you Marina for this question um, yeah so I think the answer is really it's uh, it's it comes with the with the the answer is really like what how did you used to measure productivity before right did did you have like certain systems in place did you have like certain kpis that you were tracking was it more like um oh here's the deliverable this is what it is we're gonna hold people accountable to project timelines and the answer is really like depending on how you used to do this it's probably a safe um solution to say that we cannot drastically change things because this is a this is a home work environment we need to find a way to continue that kind of productivity tracking but in a virtual environment now so i'm going to give you an example of a of a chinese company um, that used to uh, really this is publicly available information they used to clock in um, employees every morning at work and like clock in clock out obviously Obviously, that's not that possible because um, you're not physically present in a work home environment. But the solution that they came up with, there's a chat application on Alibaba and they can, uh, the employees can actually log in in the morning and they can also not only log in, but also send a picture of themselves. And then they do the same thing um, at night. So this is kind of, in, in my mind, um, it's one example of how to do that. Uh, but it's really, I would think about it as an example extension of whatever you were doing before um, without changing too many things and really finding a solution for the virtual environment. Thank you, Daria. So uh, our next participant is Lavinia Penaverde. Uh, I think her mic. Oh, uh, Lavinia. Yes. Um, hi. Are you there? Yeah. yeah please I'm here. introduce yourself, which country you're from and, and your question. Mabuhay from Manila, Philippines. Hi, Daria and John. Thank you for uh, such a very wonderful session. Actually, my question is, given that uh, it seems like work from home is here to stay, what would be the top three competencies that leaders need to acquire so that they will show more relevance in this new setup? Thank you, Lavinia. Um, super good question. Yeah, so I would go back to those to that people discussion that we had. And I think as a as a people leader and as a team leader, you are definitely in a unique position to influence and to shape uh, the way your team and the way your organization is going to work from home. And I think um, so if I were to think about the top the top three capabilities, I would say one of them is really transparent, continuous communication. Uh, with your team, with your peers, with your managers is really like up, down, like lateral, like any type of communication that you may think of is probably would probably be like five times more important in a in a virtual environment. Um, so really, really um, developing that virtual communication ability. Um, then the other one, I would say, inspiring your team, inspiring and influencing them to be motivated on a daily basis to be aligned to the vision 
the vision of the of the company and to find in themselves the strength to keep to keep delivering great quality work and to keep their productivity levels high and i'm not saying that's definitely not easy to do especially not in a in a work from home virtual environment but that's that's what's needed to make sure that the employees continue to deliver high quality work and then um so I mentioned communication, inspiring um, your team and influencing them to continue great quality work. And then I would say the third thing is really the ability to prioritize. Um, because I think um, in a virtual environment, there are, I think many of you chose distractions in the poll question in the beginning you chose a lot of things but one of them uh, i think a, a, like a fifth of you chose distractions so in a work from home environment this is the truth there are more distractions you're at home and like things happen packages get delivered um i don't know like someone rings at the door you can take a personal call more, more easily so then i think as a manager it's really important to find a way to help your employees and your organization to prioritize like what what are the really like really really important things that we need to deliver and then um what are some of the the things that we will try to deliver but maybe um maybe you know like in in this work environment it may not always be possible so really focusing on those high value add um activities Daria, our next uh, speaker is Eiling Lai. So Eiling, uh, please uh, introduce yourself and, and share your question. Hi, hi Dalia, nice to meet you. Uh, this is Eiling from Singapore. Thank you very much for um, sharing today. It's been very clear. I, I want to ask you, um, what's your opinion or from your experience and encounter of any case studies of small, medium-sized enterprises of um, you think um, successful work from home models moving forward or hybrids? Because uh, I think a lot of us have uh, started going online now. And I think there's been a concern that even if we go back to a physical space, we will still be actually holding online meetings. So could you share from your perspective of what do you think would work as a hybrid model? Thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, actually, one of my uh, one thing that I didn't include in my in my bio is that I am the the co-founder of of a small startup in my home uh, country in Romania. So I can relate to your question a lot um, because. As, as we move back to we haven't fully moved back to the to to the business as usual scenario but now like work from home and online stuff is here to stay for sure um so at least in our case what we're planning to do is to identify those activities that can be done better uh through an online setting and continue to do them and then uh the other ones that are that like in-person presence is required for and this particular example is from uh, education is actually uh, school teaching. And the way we think about it is more as an opportunity. For example, like the online communication allows you to expand, to expand your geography and expand your potential customers. So that's primarily how we're planning to use the online environment. But then also like for localized activities for local business, we're planning to actually go back um, in person. Um, but I would say like, I'm not sure what um, you, the specific industry that you work uh, in is, but um, if if you deem that um, online the online environment is better for certain activities, I would say definitely um, embrace it and. Um, the benefit of having a small team is that you can pilot stuff right like just try things see how it goes and then. Um, and then decide if you want to implement it at a comp at the startup scale level or maybe you want to tweak like um just adjust stuff and then uh, come back to that but i i would embrace it as an opportunity so uh we have next uh nor hayati mohammed ali i can't seem to reach him uh but um uh, oh there there we are okay so nor hayati please introduce yourself and uh, yeah Sure. Hi. Um, 
Good morning, everyone. Okay, um, I am from a marketing agency and I run um, marketing businesses as well. And uh, we have clients who are in the charity organization. So uh, we have actually received feedback uh, that staff are getting restless at home uh, with online meetings and they are getting very fatigued uh, with uh, one after another online meetings and even some of them are actually uh, requesting to be you know uh, can we submit a request to the author um, to the government so that we can be in the office you know physically you know rather than we do online meetings because and some of them actually feel that it is more tiring for them to do um, meetings and work from home rather than when you're in physically in the office so yeah so how do we um, avoid or what can we can be put in place so that um, staffs are not getting um, Zoom or online meetings fatigue as well as we are? Yeah, very good question. Thank you. I'm probably one of those people uh, who fulfills that category of like getting fatigue. I think all of us, and they're actually so interesting. There are many white papers coming out. Many people are researching this question of fatigue. It's a, it's a real thing. If you're on Zoom eight to 10 hours a day, it just becomes as really, really tiring. So I would say um, it, at least what, what I've seen um, in practice and that, that works is really having a daily routine. It's really easy to blur the lines of like work life and personal life and not know how many hours I'm going to work and when does my personal life start because it all actually happens in the same room or in the same house. So I think with our employees, we need to be really careful about what those boundaries are. Um, if we were working from the office till 6 p.m., let's say, and then we were going to go home, then it's important to do the same thing when we work from home, really close your laptop, have dinner, spend some time with your family, relax. Um, that's one. And, and then during the day, what we usually do, many of us, we take some sort of break, like we go to the restroom, we go eat a snack, we just go get a coffee. Um, I think that's important to continue doing if possible to set some, even if it's only like 15 minutes for lunch or half an hour, it's important to have those breaks in between. Um, and another thing, this is from my personal experience, one other thing that I try to do, and I acknowledge that it doesn't work every single day, um, but I also try to get out out of the house and just like maybe one of the even if I still have to work but you don't necessarily need it to be in front of your computer for each and every single call so when I know I don't need to be in front of the computer I just uh, walk around the house like in my neighborhood um, and I think most of you can can do that now uh, with COVID-19 if it's not too late or too early in the morning um, and just take that call walking and um, it still feels like a change of pace and a change of scenery which I think it's it's super important so these would be some examples yeah some ideas so um Daria we're going to have two more questions but we're going to put them together so can I ask um uh, for us to unmute uh, Ariel. Uh, can we have Ariel on the show? Yes, sir. Hi, Ariel. Go ahead. Introduce yourself and your question. Hi. Ariel Paran of San Pablo City, Laguna, Philippines. Good morning, Sir John and Ma'am Naria. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. I am concerned about the um, academic achievement of the pupils. If there would be an online or distance learning, what can possibly be done or what can you suggest so that we can guarantee that the potential academic achievement of pupils is not compromised? Thank you. Um, Ariel, I'm just going to add that to that question from Bilimbek from Kyrgyzstan who asks also about uh, how do we motivate the kids? How do we have, have, help teachers handle their work and motivate the kids as well? And then I'm actually going to uh, combine that with Shaz Khan. Uh, Shaz, uh, can we unmute Shaz Khan? So there's two questions, Daria, uh, two, two separate questions. Uh, one on, on uh, the education on schools, teachers, and students. And then if we can unmute Shaz, can we have Shaz on the line? Hello, Amir. Go ahead. Uh, just introduce yourself and, and uh, share your question, Shaz. Hi, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm Shaz Khan. I work in uh, data science in San Francisco Bay Area, which is quite an expensive place. My question is this. Uh, my wife tends to be very loud and, uh, you know, a smaller place in the city. She's working on her conferences, I on mine. Uh, you know, 
that that sometimes can interfere, disrupts my meetings. How can we balance this? You know, it's not it's not her fault that she's loud, uh, smaller plate. <laughs> Do you think that there's a trend to move away from cities where families can afford more space and get more for their money? Is this likely, if not in, inevitable? Okay, so Daria, those, there's two uh, t different questions there. So on the education and also on this, uh, this question about the trend. So what are your yeah. thoughts? And then this will be the last question. Okay, great. Um, so the first one around academic achievement, I think that's a real concern, especially if the work from home thing happens over like a ex very extended period of time. Um, I would say that uh, before, like maybe the teachers played like the front and center role in, in children's education um, with the work from home and like the online teaching environment. I think it's more important to acknowledge that parents also need to, to start playing a more active role in that and there needs to be like that continuous feedback loop that we talked about is not only in the corporate uh, world right it's also like in this case it would be teachers with parents right and like making sure that that continuous connection is established and that the parents act as an extension of teachers at home um, and then also one thing so I am taking some classes again from my personal experience and it, it depends Ariel I'm not sure your um, like your question was about academic achievement in general, like depending on the age group. But uh, what I've noticed uh, Stanford doing, and I'm sure there are like other programs um, around the world as well, but they are taking a hybrid approach. It's not like 100% online teaching. I would say it's about like 80% online teaching. And that gives students a lot of flexibility in terms of location, time. But then from time to time, like when you need to present something, um, and also like if you have time to attend a class, then you have the possibility to go in person as well. So that hybrid, like even if it's only 20%, it makes a world of a difference in terms of like getting to know the students, feeling connected, feeling part of that community. So I would think about ways to, to do this in a hybrid way, which may not be possible now with COVID-19, but again, in general, hopefully when, when this whole thing is over, it should be, it should be a possibility. And then um, how to how to motivate kids. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's also a tough one. And I think that's why it's like super important to uh, to collaborate with parents, um, with the parents, because they're the closest to, to the kids in this case, spend, spending a lot of time at home with them. Um, yeah. And to answer the last question about um, how how to work in a in a maybe like in many cases like a small apartment a small house uh, maybe like both um like um, both uh, people are, are taking a lot of calls every day. Um, it, it can be tough, definitely it can be tough. Um, I think there's no, there's no good answer to that, especially in a city. I know many of you are from like capitals of the world, real estate is, is super, super expensive. Um, but you know, like if we uh, will have to, to wait and see if we're really moving towards a work from anywhere type of environment, um, at least in, in the US, there, there is a trend that people have already started moving out of very expensive markets such as New York, San Francisco, moving to places where they can afford uh, more space, um, really like bigger houses and better standard of living. So I, I would see that happening as well uh, moving forward. Daria, thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, we are actually, and you probably know that we're running over time. And I want to thank you also for all of our viewers for their questions. And I'm so sorry we couldn't reach um, address all of them. Uh, but thank you so much for for your questions. Um, so we will continue our webinar series next week uh, with To Control Your Fate, You Must Innovate, Entrepreneurial Lessons for the New Normal. Uh, we have a serial entrepreneur, uh, Josh Ramisher. Um, he has several very interesting stories. He started ventures across three continents, including a, a boutique investment bank in New York, a solar irrigation startup in India, and a lease to own solar home systems provider in multiple countries across Africa. So he's definitely someone uh, to, to discuss this topic. It's going to be very interesting next week. Um, and we're also pleased to announce that we are offering two online blended courses. And uh, the first one is an introduction to our signature course on adaptive leadership. 
uh, and uh, as well as a course on how to think like a futurist. If you would like a preview of these topics, you can click on the links to our webinars because we have corresponding webinars precisely on adaptive leadership and how to think like a futurist that we just conducted in previous recent weeks. And in case you don't know what online blended learning means, it means that we will have small classes with live interactive lectures and discussions using the full suite of Zoom technology. Um, the adaptive leadership uh, over two weeks, it has four touch points, uh, two hours each. And the Futurist program has six touch points over the course of three weeks. We'll have cases and assignments as well as small group coaching. And these are all facilitated by Harvard trained facilitators. So during this time, really uh, don't stop learning. Uh, now, in case you are curious about some of the topics of our bl blended online programs, as well as other topics uh, that we run, you may either visit our webinars on our YouTube or visit Cal Online for our standalone video series. You may also sign up at Cal Online. So this is free for a limited period. Uh, so please go to online.asialeadership.org to take advantage of these top video series. Um, the next announcement I'd like to make is a reminder about our books, specifically the Rethinking Asia series. Specifically, do check out our latest book, Rethinking Asia 6, How Leadership Can Be Taught, which is now available for online purchase on our website. I know Daria is working on Rethinking Asia 7, which is coming soon in a few months. Some of my colleagues are, and as well as Daria are working very hard on that. So I would also like to remind you about our forum that was originally scheduled for May 2020. It has now been moved to November 6 in Kuching and November 9 in Kuala Lumpur. So please do stay tuned for our updates on this program. And, and lastly, um, you know, connect with us. So Daria has been very generous in sharing uh, her LinkedIn information as well as her Twitter. If, you have, if you'd like to follow her, she does post interesting content. Um, and please do visit us uh, on our website, uh, our social media pl platforms, and please feel free to contact us at any time uh, via email. You can watch our daily centers, uh, sorry, our center's daily adventures on Instagram, uh, as well as any thought content on our Facebook, as well as our LinkedIn. Lastly, uh, if you could fill out the exit survey that will pop up when you leave, that will provide us with very valuable feedback to continue to improve our webinar programs moving forward. As I mentioned before, we do uh, read and consider every comment and word. So if you have any ideas on how we can improve and how we can be of more value to you, please share with us. And lastly, thank you all for your time today. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. If you're on the other side of the world, we hope that you have a nice rest. Uh, so lastly, stay safe, fight the good fight of making our organizations and communities better. Thank you so much and we hope to see you again next time.